Welcome back to the Florida Travel Fanatics Podcast. I'm Clark. I'm Heather. This is episode 25, How to Enjoy Breweries, Wineries, and Distilleries in Florida. In this episode's Florida travel news, the Jacksonville Zoo and Gardens has a new resident. For the first time in a decade, a baby jaguar was born at the zoo. Babette and Henry are the parents of this new baby cub. There are about 173,000 jaguars in the world with a status of near threatened. So their population is declining. So this cub is a welcome addition to the zoo family. The sweet cub is bonding with his mother. No name or gender has been announced yet. Apparently, female jaguars often reject their young. So the zoo staff is not going in and interrupting and taking this baby cub out because they're really, really pleased to see that Babette is taking good care of her baby. There's no date for when the cub will be on display at the zoo, but the zoo has a webcam that monitors a lot of the new baby animals, and we'll put that link in the episode notes. One of Tampa's highly anticipated food and drink experience is finally set to make its debut. D.G. Yingling & Sons, America's oldest brewery, is close to opening its huge new Tampa facility, including the Yingling Draft House and Kitchen. The sprawling new facility is on the same site as the brewing production facility Yingling opened in 1999, but this first ever concept for the company will invite the public inside for the brewery's celebrated beers and the history of its beautiful space. It actually seems to me to be almost like a Willy Wonka thing. It sounds like it. Come into the factory and see what's going on. The completed facility will include restaurants, a tap room, a lobby cafe, a massive beer garden with dozens of taps, and includes yard games and is available for private events. While no specific opening date has been announced, Yingling officials tell us that they anticipate an early summer opening, so we're likely to see an official opening any week now, with the beer garden games and fire pits opening in early fall. Of course, what we're really excited to try is the food from Yingling Draft House and Kitchen. Everyone knows their beer, but this type of venture is the first for the company opening a full restaurant. The menu is very beer-centric, with a listed beer pairing for each item, and most of the dishes either being made with beer or made specifically to pair with a Yingling beer. Inside the new facility, Yingling is planning to have a full calendar of events from live music on the weekends to a curated list of interactive activities and experiences. There's also a huge new gift shop attached to the tasting rooms where guests can find all things Yingling, including several coolers full of beer. Yingling Tampa is aiming to become a must-visit destination in the area with Bush Gardens just a couple blocks down the road, and University of South Florida's proposed on-campus football stadium is just a hop, skip, and a jump. If you've driven over the Sunshine Skyway Bridge over the mouth of the Tampa Bay, you may have seen some crazy-looking giant concrete pyramids in the water. These wave attenuation devices, or WADs, aim to reduce wave action to mitigate erosion while allowing a better habitat for sea life. During past hurricanes, the waves break onto the roadway and deteriorate the asphalt and the guardrails, so fish will be able to swim amongst the WADs and the grasses can grow through them, effectively making it a reef. The Florida Department of Transportation is installing the wads in Manatee County only right now. And everyone on the project says it's a win-win for the roadways, shoreline, and the wildlife. This is very similar to the new hexagonal tubes called sea hives that are being used elsewhere around the state. We talked about those in our snorkeling and scuba diving episode. 
Here's a tip you probably haven't heard about. Tampa Bay is the home of the largest man-made lagoon in the U.S. Marotta Lagoon features 15 acres of crystal clear water for swimming, kayaking, and paddleboarding. The lagoon is in a community in San Antonio, Florida, not San Antonio, Texas, about 30 minutes northeast of Tampa, and has been recently open to the public. Prior to this, it was all it was private and only for the community that's in. This lagoon is open daily from, from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Day passes range from $20 to $40, and there's late day passes available from 3 p.m. until close. Check out their website to see all the add-on options for your day and save a few dollars purchasing tickets online. The add-ons, add-ons include kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding, floating obstacle courses, and they have food and drink and live music too. So the lagoon is, if you've never seen one, it's basically, it looks like a gigantic pool, but it's not a pool. It's a 15-acre concrete lagoon with sand, with beach, with lots of amenities. And the, there's somebody, a guy invented a, the filtration to make it work. It's right, it was a Chilean scientist. scientist. And that's patented, and that's the secret sauce. But these lagoons are, are massive. This particular lagoon, the largest one, Marat, is not the only one. There's another one, um, Epperson Lagoon. It's half the size at a, a small seven acres. Uh, that's in Wesley Chapel on the northeast side of Tampa. The, the Chilean engineer, uh, the engineer, a guy named Fernando Fishman, makes a point of, hey, these are not swimming pools. Uh, and the good thing for them, those of you a little bit nervous about alligators and critters in the water, they're completely fresh water. Uh, you know, there you could go do all the kayaking and stand up paddleboarding you want with no fear of, of any critters that might be in the water. There's also a third lagoon that's just opened up in Wamama on the southeast side of of Tampa, and there are three more under construction, all being built by this company called Metro Lagoons. One is in Fort Myers, one is in Land Lakes, which is north of Tampa, and one is in Parrish, Florida, on the south side of Tampa Bay near Bradenton. We'll put links in the episode notes, but definitely take a look at the websites, if anything, just to see what these lagoons look like. They're really beautiful and easy to enjoy and a great place to go for vacation. When all six of these are finished, five of them will be around the Tampa Bay area and one will be in Fort Myers. Moving on to our Florida travel tips for this episode, with the summer rain and heat in full swing, one of our favorite activities is going to a professional baseball game. There are two pro baseball teams in Florida, the Miami Marlins and the Tampa Bay Rays, and they both, hallelujah, have indoor stadiums. The Marlins Stadium actually is indoor-outdoor. It has a retractable roof, and the roof is put on the stadium when it's raining or if the temperature is going to be over 85 degrees, which is most of the summer here in Florida. Uh, and they both stadiums have a, lot, have a lot of special deals during the week, especially for some Monday games, and sometimes they have day games and you can get for kids they have promos and different things with free food and different things to get people in the, in the ballparks in miami you can take the Brightline train to the miami station and there's a free shuttle to marlins park which is all, there's also called lone depot park that's what the the corporate sponsor is there on the weekend some of the games are uh, at one o'clock or four o'clock great place to take the kids to if you're thinking about taking your children or maybe a family member who doesn't understand baseball or know the rules of baseball or maybe you're from the out outside the country and you don't know baseball that well, there's some really good videos on YouTube that I'll put in the uh, links in the episode notes so people have a better understanding of the game um, and how it's played. If you're going to a Tampa Bay Rays game, you're right on the edge of downtown St. Pete, which is just loaded with breweries, bars, restaurants, and fun things to do. Our favorite way to do it is to park at the stadium parking lot, walk across the street to a Cuban restaurant called Bodega, take our food with us, walk across the street the other way, and go to Green Bench Brewing, which is one of the oldest breweries in downtown St. Pete. Uh, And there's several other breweries right down in that area. And speaking of breweries, let's get on to our main topic. How to enjoy Florida's breweries, wineries, and distilleries. First, we'll talk about the sheer number of breweries, wineries, distilleries, and meaderies, yes, mead, around the state. Then we'll talk about our experiences and our favorites. And yes, we'll talk about some off the beaten path with places to enjoy a drink that you may not have heard of. 
In doing research for this episode, we found an absolutely amazing website called drinklocalflorida.com. That's by far the best list of breweries, wineries, and distilleries that we've seen. The site says that Florida has 372 breweries, 49 distilleries, 40 wineries, 19 cideries, and meaderies. They list all three categories by region, making it easy to find a place near you. They also list characteristics of each venue, whether there will be tours, growlers to go, beer gardens, pet-friendly lists, whether or not they serve food or have regular food trucks, or if you can bring your own food if they don't serve any. VisitFlorida.com has an excellent section of their website dedicated to the craft breweries all over the state, as well as sections on wineries and distilleries. As usual, we'll put those links in the episode notes. Let's start by talking about breweries. Breweries make beer, no surprise to anyone. Microbreweries have become popular around the United States, and Florida is no exception. There are currently more than 300 breweries around the state. There are also several good blogs that have lists of recommended Florida breweries, and we'll put those episode in the episode notes as well. The Tampa Bay region has the most craft breweries in the state with 103. So that's almost one-third of the uh, – that's a, a little less than one-third of the entire state's uh, number, their number of breweries. Some downtown areas have multiple breweries, like downtown Dunedin near Clearwater and downtown St. Pete. Our favorite local beers are Cigar City Brewing's High Ally IPA, probably the most popular beer in the region. Practically every bar and restaurant in the Tampa Bay area serves that. If you're an IPA drinker and you're, you, you can get High Ally, uh, it's fantastic. It's got like a nice, very nice floral hop um, flavor to it. And it, that's a fairly widely distributed beer. We've heard of people being able to get that as far away as Maryland, where we have some family. And if you don't know what an IPA is, is India Pale Ale. Yeah, that's the hoppy ale. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you, Heather. Uh, they also have a, if you like a brown ale, uh, like an amber ale, which Heather likes, they have a their Maduro, which comes from a cigar name, Maduro wrapper. Uh, their Maduro brown ale um, is excellent. They have a, a tap room downtown and also have tap rooms at the Tampa Airport. That's an Airside C, which is the Southwest Terminal, also a place, great place to get a fantastic Cuban sandwich. And across the street from Amelie Arena, where the Tampa Bay Lightning play, they've got a spot there as well. And that's a great place to get a pregame beer because the beers in the stadium or in the arena are $14 and we just refuse to pay $14 for anybody's beer. So you can get a seven or $8 beer at Cigar City. It's a better beer anyway. We also like several of the Florida Avenue beers making their dead, especially their dead parrot, which is their light lager with sea salt and lime. It's their take on a Corona while making fun of the parrot heads that are fans of Jimmy Buffett. Playa Linda Brewing Company is on the Space Coast. They haven't always had such an abundance of locally brewed options. As a matter of fact, until recently, the north end of the county was a veritable craft beer desert. Playa Linda Brewing Company opened its doors in November of 2014, and it established itself as an oasis of high-quality beer and a great gathering place for locals and visitors. Donna and Brian Scott, the owner of Barn Light Electric, they were intrigued when the property that they had their shop in was for sale. They had an enthusiastic and ambitious experiment. They created a Facebook page for a hypothetical brewery, and within days, the page had hundreds of followers. She recalled, Donna recalled the immediate overwhelming support of the community, and they decided they just absolutely had to to do this brewery because everybody wanted it. So the first microbrewery in northern Brevard County, Playa Linda set up its shop in that beautiful old hardware store in Titusville in the downtown district. The building... Once home to Titusville Hardware is the city's oldest building dating back to 1950. Prior to housing the brewery, the space was retail location for the manufacturer of Barnlight Electric. Two years after the brewery launched, Playa Linda opened a second 
location, the Bricks Project, and that's open for business in South Titusville. Though the Luke, both locations have distinctly, a distinctively different vibe, the core tenants, Playa Linda, was founded on remain totally in focus. That's just an amazing place yeah, to, their beer to is go. Fantastic. Yeah. Florida Avenue Brewing on Florida Avenue in the heart of Tampa, uh, part of the Tamiami Trail, started out in 2010 uh, with just a name that's based on the street. But over time, it's grown into a really popular a local brewery and and they they were on Florida Avenue for a couple of years they built a new location over in Wesley Chapel moved all their brewing operations but they've thankfully reopened a fourth a new 4000 square 4000 square foot facility on Florida Avenue um, in the hipster neighborhood of Seminole Heights in Tampa uh, and these locations are very different the Wesley Chapel one's a big one lots and lots of food good food we've we take, very good we take food. guests there from out of town, they've got a beer garden outside. The one down in Seminole Heights is going to be smaller, and there's going to be a lot more of their test beers down there. So they'll do test batches and have things on tap that won't be at the other location. It won't be distributed. And it's in Seminole Heights. It's a, it's a terrific area down there. It's a fun place to go hang out. And it's kind of right in the middle of Tampa, right off 275. Our favorite breweries so far, no particular order, from the ones we've been around the state. And there's a lot of great breweries. But some sometimes you go to a brewery or a winery and you like really are floored. Like this is a way above the normal experience. Play Linda, for sure, is one of our favorites. Both locations are just terrific. Uh, they, they have a birthday cake beer. Can you describe it what, has, what that is, Heather? It sounds strange to say it's like having cake and a glass of milk. But it is. And the presentation is amazing. They bring it out in... A beer glass, and it has... I think it's a lager. It has whipped cream around the top and sprinkles. Sprinkles. And you think, ooh, I don't know if I'm... I don't know about how I'm going to feel about this. It's a birthday cake beer. It it looks weird. Right. But it was absolutely delicious. We went there for brunch. We went to the Bricks Project for lunch. No, brunch. And then we went to... The next night, we went down to the hardware store and they have great light fixtures in there too, which is yeah, sort of a throwback to of the, the history of the, of the lighting in the building. But yeah. the the birthday cake beer was part of a sampler, which I don't think we've talked about much. Yeah, we didn't cover that yet. We yeah, didn't. samplers are great because you can get a taste of different beers um, all in a row. So if you're with somebody else, you can get different beers and not have to commit to a whole a whole beer. Yeah, one thing I've noticed lately, there's a brand, brand new one opened up five miles away from our house called uh, Thirsty Buffalo, which is really good over in Odessa. And they don't list that you can get flights or get samples, but if you ask them, they will. So if you go to a, a microbrewery or a craft brewery um, and you want a sample, ask. They, they Typically, they've got trays and small glasses under the counter. And you can pick out, usually you get four. Right. And a sample, a sample. is different than a flight or a um, sampler. Like you can ask them, I like to have a little taste and they'll give you like half an inch in a small right. glass if you and just you want can taste give me it. A sample, right. And then, but a sampler or a flight is choosing. Usually five, five, they're usually five ounce beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you choose four. What Heather and I like to do is that she'll pick four and I'll pick four and they're different. Because mm-hmm. a, a tap room typical or a, a, brew, a brew place typically has many beers on tap. It's usually hard, hard to pick, even pick eight. You feel like you left a couple out. So that way we each, we try each other's and maybe we'll get a little food too to go mm-hmm. with it. And that's a fun way to sample it. Um, Heather's a big fan of coffee, stouts, and porters, and ambers, and I'm a uh, IPA guy. And I like drinking them in a five-ounce amount because otherwise, I mean, uh, a full pint is a lot to, to drink of some of those heavier beers. 
Yeah. So the second, uh, if you and if you're going to play Linda, go to both. Both locations are different enough. If you're there for a couple of days, go hit both of those. Um, that's right in the area. That's the Space Coast. So if you're if you're over there for a launch, definitely try to hit one of the Play Linda sites. They're really good. The, the bartenders are super friendly. Definitely one of our favorite breweries in the state. We mentioned Florida Avenue Brewing. That's an one. That's one of our favorites. Um, look, we're looking forward. We have not been to the new location yet. The new one on Florida Avenue, but their their beer is exceptionally good, uh, and they they do unusual. Of things, they really have beer that's off the say off the beaten path, but not your normal standard beers that you get at a, a craft brewery. They really and, do and their food is the same. And like the New Yingling place that's opening, so many of these restaurants that are connected to the breweries, they're they're doing food that really matches something you'd go. I would really love to have a beer with this. It's it's really creative. Yeah, it goes it goes with it. Uh, the, our third favorite is Proof Brewing in Tallahassee. I was there for a work event uh, right before the pandemic and was just completely floored by the how good the beer was, just way above your average your average beer. Uh, in fact, I was there for an event and the beautiful place, nice building, nice outside area, and they were growing so quickly. The building, they said you're the last event for this facility we're moving to one that's five times this large i'm like you guys are moving to five times this size they're like yeah we're doing that well i'm like oh your beer's fantastic you should uh, so if you see proof it, if you see proof in the grocery store trader joe's has it sometimes mm-hmm. just grab some and the proof is just like i'm on i'm on the hunt I'm like looking for proof uh because it's it's just that good the beer is just exceptionally exceptionally good other beer, other breweries that are on our must-do list. Uh, there's one called Lauder Ale Brewery in Fort Lauderdale. So we like the fact they took the D out, so Lauderdale becomes Lauder Ale, which is not far from the airport. Uh, that one we want to check out. Um, heard great things about Motorworks down in Bradenton, and definitely want to go to all the breweries in downtown Dunedin uh, and drink beer down there and hit the craft pizza places down there. That's a whole. That's a whole destination to go down to downtown Dunedin, which is near west side of Tampa, near Clearwater. And like, unlike the national parks, I don't think we're going to probably ever be able to hit all of the breweries in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot to get to. We'll eventually get to all the beaches, but hopefully we don't hit all the breweries. That might not be a good thing. Moving on to wine. Wine is an alcoholic drink typically made from fermenting grape juice. Yeast consumes the sugar in the grapes and converts it to ethanol and carbon dioxide, releasing heat in the process. Different varieties of grapes and strains of yeast are major factors in different styles of wine. When you think of Florida, you definitely don't think of wine. You won't hear the word Florida wine too often. But Florida does have some excellent wines made from both grapes and fruit. The fruit holds up to the weather better than grapes here. So there's a lot of fruit wines here. A lot of it really comes down to how much of the sugar the winemaker decides to ferment out. Uh, Florida wine has a reputation for being really sweet, but you can find a good dry wine if you look. A good example is Keel and Curly Winery, which Heather's going to talk about in a minute, that is that started making blueberry wines. And literally on their wine menu, they have a sweet blueberry, a semi-dry blueberry, and a dry blueberry that's just different depending on how much of the sugar the winemaker decides to ferment out. Drier wines have less sugar and a higher alcohol content because those are inverse things. Uh, but even if you're not a big fan of sweet wines, and we're not particularly sweet wine drinkers, on a hot summer day in Florida, a nice glass of sangria with Florida uh, fresh fruit a fruit in it's pretty delicious. We we make that by the pitcher sometimes when we have friends that come over. Speaking of Keel and Curly, it's our favorite winery a little east of Tampa on the I-4 on the way to Orlando. When you see Dinosaur World, that's your exit. In 1981, Tampa landscaper Joe Keel began his own plant nursery on 10 acres in Plant City that he named Keel Farms. In 2003, Joe decided to use his end crop blueberries 
to try his hand at winemaking. So he couldn't sell some of those blueberries to Publix or any of yeah, the, the locations. So, good, but they, they didn't look good, fine. but they still tasted good. So he decided to start mm-hmm. making wine. And that's how Keel and Curly Winery started. It is one of our favorites. It's absolutely an experience. It's very family friendly. We were just there and took a tour of the winery, a tour of their brewery and the cider making. The cider making. Yep. They have a great restaurant. We we had we went in there. We had um, uh, alligator tacos. We did. And a wine burger. And, and a, a wine, wine burger. burger yeah. Delicious. Merlot onion wine burger. And they had a, yeah. a live music too. It's a nice, it's a nice little destination. And it's great to see these farms turned into destinations and being preserved as farms, not yeah. being developed into something else. And a lot of the their resources too, they're they're now on 35 acres. So he has accumulated land and they plant flowers on the dormant um, pieces of land that you can go in and pick. It's very, I think I already said it's very family friendly. Playgrounds and open spaces, fire pigmy, pits for in the pygmy goats. Yeah, for the kids to pet and all those. A little yeah. wagon to take a tour around. Um, people yeah, picking sunflowers. Spot. It was absolutely beautiful. The food was amazing. Yeah, and if you're driving between Tampa and Orlando, either way, either direction, you've got the time. Definitely stop off. It's a neat little place. Mm-hmm. We'd driven by there for years and never stopped. And a couple weeks ago, we said, "Hey, today we're going to go to Keel and Curly and check it out." And we had a really wonderful day there. The food was great. The people were nice. The the ciders, I think, was the best of their alcohol. There. I liked the, the dry wine blueberry wine. You, yeah, you like the, the dry, dry blueberry because it wasn't very sweet. But that was another place that we did a tasting. We did a what's called a flight and. We really, I mean, we really enjoyed that. We had had enough to drink, but there was still one that I wanted to try, mm-hmm. and the server brought me a yeah, small taste Yeah, and they taste gave us it. drinks on the tour that they did as we were going That's through. right. That I forgot fun. about they that. Were, that was really fun. They were, it was like a hayride for adults with alcohol. Uh, what was nice was on the flights, you could get beer, wine, or um, cider in the flights. And so I we think, mixed ours up a little bit. And I think that's things. one thing to think about when you go to a winery. A lot of times there is going to be other options for you possibly to drink um, sometimes they have non-alcoholic options too, because they have the juices that you've made, they've made, um, wine out of. So moving on to cider, hard cider is an alcoholic drink made from fermented apple juice. The addition of hard in its name dis- distinguishes this drink from non-alcoholic, um, apple juice. Hard cider is usually made from apples, but it can be made from other fruits such as pears, strawberries, peaches, plums, and more. Blueberries make especially good cider and Keel and Curly has... Definitely very, very cornered the market ciders, on that yes. one. Ciders range from very sweet to very dry, and they've become a lot more popular over the last 10 years, and almost every bar or tap room in Florida will have some kind of cider. It's great for people who don't like beer or if you're gluten intolerant and you can't have beer because beer has some barleys and things like that that are considered not good for people who can't have gluten. So if you're a cider fan, definitely check out a cidery called Cigar City Cider and Mead right in the heart of Ebor in West Tampa. They have the largest selection of ciders that we've seen. A distiller is a place where alcoholic beverages are made through a process called, wait for it, distillation. It's a complex and multi-step process that has several stages. Uh, A lot of it comes down to boiling points and steam and reconstituting the steam back into the alcohol. Um, And distilling can make a wide range of different alcoholic beverages, including vodka, rum, whiskey, gin, and brandy. Uh, Quite a few of the Florida craft distillers use local ingredients, including grains and fruit. Enjoy Distillery in Spring Hill, which is about 45 minutes north of Tampa, actually grows their own sugarcane, and they use that to make rum instead of molasses, which is the traditional way of making it. They also also grow their own grains, including rye, for their rye whiskey. 
One of our favorite distilleries is the Isla Morada Distillery. Uh, they have excellent vodka and they have uh, a beer next door. So the brewery and distillery are, are in the same building with a wall in between it for legal reasons. We were there having beer one night and the bartender said, you need to go next door and try the vodka. We're like, what? What? Where? What? 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 There's a distillery <laughs> next door and the vodka was really good. And it's hard to make vodka that's that different. Vodka tends to be fairly generic most of the time and their vodka uh, was excellent. Our other favorite distillery is the St. Augustine Distillery right on the water in downtown St. Augustine. They have an excellent gin there that's really nice. And both most of these products you can get, I mean, like St. Augustine, you can get through Total Wines. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they distribute that nationally and they've got some really good uh, different things. They've also got a pre-made uh, old-fashioned you can get there as well. They have a beautiful tour too in their in their distillery. Nice. Uh, yeah. The um, gift shop, tastings, just a really nice gift shop. Established in 2013, St. Augustine Distillery is part of a new generation of craft distillers that are family-owned, and they're committed to making world-class spirits using the local agriculture, which is always nice. Less, less carbon footprint, and it supports the local economy. So that's great to see that. From their website, they say, We do not source or blend other whiskey with our bourbon. We distill and bottle everything we sell, making sure that the spirits are just right before barreling and aging. Hand bottled by real people, we're passionate about showing our guests not only what goes on to each bottle, but how to make the best cocktails with our spirits. Mead or honey wine is an alcoholic beverage made by fermenting honey. It's one of the oldest alcoholic beverages ever made, as it was consumed as far back as 4,000 years ago. Interestingly, mead was a common, it was common across ancient cultures around the world, including Asia, Europe, and Africa. Mead is made from honey, water, and yeast. Uh, or a bacterial culture, and can also include ingredients as fruit, herbs, spices, grains, roots, and flowers. Mead's alcohol can vary from 4 to 8%, but it can be as high as 20%. Its flavor profile ranges from very sweet to very dry and is available both in sparkling and still. While there's nothing quite like getting a drink directly from its source, while every town seems to have its own craft breweries popping out of the woodwork, meateries are a little bit more scarce. I first heard of the term. I thought they were talking about meat, M-E-A-T. Yes. It's, it's not like, a butcher no, shop. It's not a butcher shop. It's a mead, meadery, which I have like to say that a couple times, meadery. Starting as a hobby in 2015 and in early 2016, Garagist Meadery became a legitimate business. The original concept was a side job of sorts, and they would make the mead between their other day jobs. In April of 2016, they launched, launched a crowdfunding campaign to get started. Without much expectation or fanfare, they just decided to put themselves out there. And the campaign closed a month later, making Garagist Meadery, the largest publicly funded meadery in history by like a wide margin. Garage East is located a few blocks from Armature Works in Tampa Heights, and it's really different. Some of their ingredients include peanuts, cinnamon, and fruit like Turkish pomegranates and blackberries. Garage East is any winemaker that doesn't grow their grapes for wine. All the ingredients are outsourced. And Garage East is the French word for garage owner, and its roots are the home winemaker who made wine in his garage. I was just at Garagiste about a month or so ago. We had some family in town. We were over at Armature Works getting something to eat. One of my nephews, um, adult nephews, found the found the place. He'd seen it online. So we walked over there. It's about a five-block walk from Armature Works. And Garagiste is just the neatest place. It's very much of a local spot. One of the owners, the owner's there every day. And we sat down and looked at the menu, and I don't know anything about mead. So I got the owner to come over and give us like a little lesson on like what the different things were, how they tasted. And we just got a bunch of flights. I think they had a fl- flight thing for five people. And I think we had like 
30 different meads and tasted them all, different ones. And the variety of flavors in the mead was really just overwhelming. Uh, but we kind of came out there with a slight alcohol buzz and a slight sugar buzz because the sugar content is so high. But Garage Yeast is really a neat, a neat place. And if you've never had mead, uh, just being able to sit there and sip this, these things you've never tried before, it's a real treat and a fun thing to do as a group. And it's a, it's a great location. And a block away, there's two other breweries nearby. So, so if somebody doesn't like that, you can always go hit the kind of do a beer. little walking tour. Yeah, a little walking tour. But uh, yeah, that's it. But go out of your way. If you're in Tampa, go out of your way to go to Garage East. That's a really neat place. Can't, re- can't recommend that highly enough. Lastly, we promised you a couple different drinking spots and activities. So if you're looking for a dog-friendly bar, there are plenty. There's actually a website that you can go look that up called corecounts.com that you can see where you can go with it with, uh, with your, your pup. But there's actually something called dog bars or dog tap rooms, which is more than just a dog-friendly bar. Bringing your dog is the main purpose of the place. It's built for dogs specifically. Uh, they typically have indoor and outdoor areas for dogs to run and play. Uh, two shepherds in Tampa. Paws in St. Petersburg and the Dog Bar in St. Pete and other places around the state. You can Google or, or Yelp and find them. Uh, with, they're made for dogs. They've got runs and water and all kinds of interesting things for your, your pup to, to enjoy. Uh, be aware that most of them will not allow children or anyone under 21, including a toddler or an infant. I'm sure that's for insurance reasons. But check their website and, and ahead of time just to make sure. Uh, they will definitely want you to bring proof of your dog's vaccinations, and some require you to provide it in advance. So if you know you're going to go to one, check their website. Uh, sometimes you can walk up and do it. Sometimes you have to do it in advance. And if you show up without it, you won't be able to go in. St. Pete has a new upscale sports bar for dogs called Mutts and Martinis, and they feature a doggy splash pad. This is right in downtown St. Pete. They also have a pup fashion show and a costume contest. And first place, uh, gets winner gets $400. That's I don't know good. what a dog's going to do with $400, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot of kibble. It's a lot of kibble. Yeah, it's a lot of, but the pictures of, the, of it are great. Uh, another cool thing thing is something called a brew bus. So a brew bus is exactly what it sounds like. You board a small bus and it drives you to multiple craft breweries in one day or an evening trip. Tampa has one called the, the brew bus and goes to six different breweries and they have multiple routes. So you, depending on what breweries you you want to go to, you can pick a route that suits what you want to see or maybe just suits your, your schedule. And these are great for bachelor, bachelorette parties, corporate events, family reunions, et cetera, et cetera. Miami has a brew bus, and Orlando has one called the Orlando Ale Line. Jacksonville has one, and there's one for Sarasota Bradenton called Brew Through SRQ. And there's more than these. I'm just mentioning a few, and you can search Google or Yelp to find one near you. And definitely something you want to Uber home from. Uh, you're going to drink a lot of beer on these. This is not something you want to drive away from. Number three is tap rooms. Officially, a tap room is the space where a brewery serves its beer to customers. In most cases, this space is either part of the actual brewery or attached to it. Tap rooms contain a bar area along with other seating, and most will focus on providing a wide wide range of seating options, both indoors and outdoors, to accommodate the widest range of potential customers. And as we were talking about it, um, a lot of these tap rooms have outside space that you can you know, bring your dog, things like that. I was in uh, Pensacola at the brewery, brewery there, and there's a really nice outdoor space for people to you know, get a beer and come outside. Yeah, and outdoors in, in Florida is year-round, so even the... January to July, you can sit outside. Well, most tap rooms feature only the beer that's made in its brewery. There's a new category of tap room 
tap rooms where there's an entire wall of self-service taps, including beer, cider, and sometimes wine as well. The newer tap rooms aren't actually part of the brewery, but they typically feature a high concentration of local beers. And they also have wine on tap. Two of our favorites, um, one is Wicked Poor Tap Room in Odessa, which is just north of Tampa, and Oak and Stone Pizza and Tap House in downtown St. Pete. What they do is they give you a card that you hold up to the tap and you get to help yourself and it registers how many ounces, ounces you, you have. And then at the end, you you, you pay you, with the you card that you out. have. You yeah. cash out. The one near us lets, us, uh, lets you bring your own food. And we took charcuterie one night or they also have um, food trucks that are regularly, regularly coming. It's a lot it's a lot to have a kitchen and a brewery. It has to be a very, very large space. So yeah. a lot of times you just can bring food in. The Thirsty Buffalo, is that what you were talking yeah. about mm-hmm. earlier? They yep. have some food trucks around and they're in a shopping center that has other places and you just, people just bring their food yeah. in and, and drink. Yeah, it's they, fun. Yeah. These, the tap rooms are interesting because, you know, they basically, they don't make beer at all. They just have one part of, the, of it that's just a big walk-in basically full of kegs, including keg you know, or boxed wine. And then they have a tap that goes to the wall. And there's a row of them. And you just go by and pick out what you want, try different ones. Uh, I forget sometimes which one I'm drinking. So I take pictures of the picture with my cell phone uh, so I know what, what I'm getting. But they're, they're a lot of fun. Uh, and and it's you a can, neat, neat place. You can pour out the tiniest bit yeah, and make it ounce, just a little one ounce, one ounce and try that. And then and get you, another you, glass and they and take care of all the glasses. You might be surprised too at the cider. And these are beer places primarily, but you might be surprised at the ciders and the, the wine. The, the one near us, we like to go to Wicked Poor. They have a, a, a red wine, a Super Tuscan that's fantastic. I always get at least a four ounce pull of that when I'm there. It's really, really good wine. Makes me realize I probably have been missing Super Tuscan my whole life. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and we hope you, we have inspired you to drink local in Florida, whether you live here or whether you're visiting. There's a lot to enjoy. Details, as always, will be in the episode description with links. Check us out on our YouTube channel, Florida Travel Fanatics, and feel free to contact us via Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email at contact at floridatravelfanatics.com. You can also join our private Facebook group, and we'll put links to all of our social media in the episode notes as well. Thanks for listening. Sunny days ahead. 